Coming up on Verse, Chorus, Verse, we talk to a listener who's been here since the ju- since before the jump, actually. Mark joins us next, episode 32. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse. With me, as always, is Svend, leader of Team Svend, Knudsen. Svend, how are you tonight? I'm fantastic. I'm always fantastic. Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty fantastic. Why wouldn't I be? I'm I'm here with you guys. That's true. This is going to be a good night. It's the best place to be right now. I'm great. I'm always great. He says we're not alone because we are not. We have the one, the only Mark Kowal. Mark found us on Insta before we had even released an episode, and he's been with us since. It's true, true, true pleasure to have him here. I'm excited to talk music with him. We've chit-chatted about it back and forth, but now we actually get to talk in person. Mark, how are you this evening? Doing wonderful. Hey, got a nice drink here. We talk some music with people actually who talk about music. It's going to be great. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. This is volume two of Listener Supported. Volume one, for those of you that don't know, was episode 17. That was with Rachel Polio. We talked a little T-Swift. This time we're going a a very different route in Counting Crows, Recovering the Satellites. First, we got to get to Mark's information. Mark has a project currently going on called Pure Nonsense. He is on Instagram. His Instagram is at Pure Nonsense Band, correct? Correct. Correct. Mark is in the middle of, what would you say, creating the Great American album? Is that what you'd say? Great American Rock album. Yeah, I'm at the, at the end of it. We just got the masters back. So we're reviewing those. Got the masters back. So a year and a half later. Yep, we're we're there. Wow. Did you hire a final editor or engineer? How did how'd you go about that? Yeah, where'd you get it mastered? Professionally mixed and mastered. I went with uh, Sonar House Studio, a guy named Chris. So speaking of that album, which is titled Tonight, the song that you heard in the intro, that badass, big banging, heavy, heavy, big guitars, that song was called Fire, and it is going to be on this album. Was that your first single from it? That was the first single. It was the first single because it was done first. You know, it was always meant to be a lead off track, but it was done. We liked it, so we put it out as a single. I mean, it's very much a lead off track. I'm going to try as much as I can not to get too much into it because I think our plan yeah, is yeah, to yeah. maybe talk about yeah. this album in another episode down the line. We're still going to ask you a few questions here and there about it. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Mark. I was expecting a little bit of a maybe a monotonous Americana album with this. And I got to tell you, it's not. No. No, you got some really cool shit. I'm honestly looking forward to the album, for real. Not just because you're a listener. If you were just some stranger on the road, I'd still want to hear your album. So. Right. Well, I like every kind of music, so we put them all together. Nice. We had Mark on because he is a listener that's been, we've gotten to shoot the shit a little bit back and forth on Instagram. I really enjoy his takes on music. I know Sven does too. Sven was really stoked for this. Another thing I want to do right now, I don't know why, I don't know where it happened, but suddenly we have a big insurgence of German listeners are coming on to the podcast. So, hey, 
Germany. Ah. Hi. Yes. Hi. Wie geht's? Danke. Good Nacht. Keep listening. I legit have a German flag tattooed somewhere on my body. So hopefully that even multiplies more of the listeners. We'll see. Um, recovering the satellites. Mark, tell us about this. Tell Why is this your favorite album? When did you hear it? What got you into it? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the first time I heard it, I heard the song Angels of the Silences. I really liked that song. I didn't like Mr. Jones. And I come around to really like August and everything after, but I really wasn't keen on it when it first came out. I heard Angels of Silences, so I bought the cassette, put it in my cassette player, drove to work. I think I got there by about the fourth song. thought, boy, this has got to be it. They can't be any better than this as the album goes on. Came out, listened to the whole rest of the album again, driving around one other time. I like the album because, I mean, it's, it's great lyrics. It's loud guitars. There's slow songs. There's fast songs. There's strings. There's organs. There's pianos. Mm-hmm. You know, there's everything I like in music all in one. And that album, along with Fiona Apple's Win the Pond, are pretty much the two that got me into want to be a songwriter. Win the Pond, baby. Another episode for that one. Nice. Sven, yeah. had, had you heard Recovering the Satellites <laughs> before we dug in with Mark's choice of favorite album? I think there's some songs that everybody... Unless you've been living under a yeah. rock, like you've heard Long December. Another one that I'd heard before, um, another Horror Streamers Blues. But I hadn't, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd, majority of it, I'd say maybe 80% was new to me. Um, it wasn't ever something I picked up and listened all the way through. It was just kind of the, the stuff that either was on the radio or... Um, like somebody else would be playing it, you know, in their car if I was riding along or something. My story with Counting Crows is pretty simple. I didn't know anything beyond Mr. Jones when it came out. And what, when did that come out? Like 94? Believe 94. Which to me was just annoying as shit. And I was not a fan. Well, I mean, he, he just said he wasn't a huge fan either. So I really didn't think twice about it. And then in, I think it was like 2001, when I was stationed in Bremerton, Washington, I went to visit some high school buddies in Seattle. And when I got to their apartment, they had fucking Counting Crows posters all over the place. And this and recovering the satellites was just their thing. And I like and soundtrack to their house. Yes. And one of those friends, their musical opinion had been right alongside mine since I was in like eighth grade. So it was kind of one of those, okay, so what's, what am I missing here? I looked for recovering the satellite. I mean, they're, they're findable, but I feel like it's one of those bin searches because they were all like 90 to 110 bucks. Yeah. It was just repressed three years ago. Before that, you couldn't find it at all. It was never pressed. Yeah. So I guess it's pressed first time three years ago and then sold out pretty fast. That's what I've come to find. And we'll talk about this later that there is a, I mean, I don't even know if you'd call it a cult following. Counting crows are fucking popular. Oh, they're people, huge. Yeah. Yeah. People love this band. We'll get obviously way more into the album. First, we got to get to the most important part of the night. I'm going to start with Sven. Sven, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I am switching it up a little bit tonight. I like it. I have from Ethos Brewing Company, a Cora NA Double Hop IPA. Never had it. Don't know what <laughs> NA means. We're going to try it. <laughs> Um, where is that from? Well, now I'm gonna have to read it upside down because I just went to open it. Hey, it's from Haley, Idaho. Oh, so, I like, know Haley. About two and a half hours uh, northeast of me. Well, you have fun with that NA beer. You're gonna be wasted in no time, spend. Uh, 
Yes. Mark, what are you drinking tonight? Speaking of wasting no time, I'm drinking the first course first drink. Whatever it is with the Coke and the lime. Oh, and Cuba the, uh, Libre. Cuba. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. That was what uh, we drank for the Constellations one. You are, man, you're on it tonight. Dude, someone. I'm on Someone point. did homework. And for those of you that can't see... Mark didn't just lift up a little fucking cocktail glass. <laughs> he's got a goddamn beer mug full of Cuba Libre. So That's a pitcher. Yeah. That's a pitcher. Well, this is going to get fun. Oh, my God. He's got a half gallon. He's ready to go. <laughs> so I am up in Vancouver, Washington, where it's fucking 102 degrees today. So I did uh, made some gin rickies tonight, which is really just gin, lime, and club soda. Really, really refreshing drink. I needed it. I've also got a bunch of water. And then I've got something else special. And I don't break this out very often. Sven can vouch. The Henny? Did yeah. you bring out some Henny? So this is typically saved for very special occasions, you know, anniversaries of loved ones' deaths, that sort of thing. But Mark, you were one of our like five first true listeners extremely appreciated i feel like i'm meeting a good buddy here for the first time so this one's to you a little bit of hennessy we really appreciate the support we hope our uh, relationship continues here cheers and i need a new bottle of hennessy that's what we're drinking tonight (laughs) (laughs) we'll be right back let's talk some county pros song that you heard actually mark did you write all these i wrote most of them uh there's two that are co-writes and one that the singer wrote who wrote uh something to lose oh that's mine so the song that you just heard coming out of the break is something to lose great song i don't know what you call it a little bit of a you two meets you know what i shouldn't i shouldn't even how would you describe it mark that's the Hartland rock song uh, you make the great American rock album, you have to make all different types of songs. That's the Heartland Rock song. Ah, I like it. I kind of see the roadmap for the rest of this album I now, did, and I'm yeah. even more excited. You legit were, if you were a college major in Americana, this is your grand thesis. This is your... Yes. Yes, it, yes, it, it would be. Love it. So that song was Something to Lose. We'll play one more song going into the next break. It's good stuff. By the time... When when is this album supposed to release? Probably a little over a month from now. So it'll be just about to release when this drops or release. Perfect timing. Wow, man, we did good. The album is going to release right around that time. Once that happens, we'll talk about this album a little more. He's a close friend of the pod, so he'll be around. Recovering the Satellites by Counting Crows. I'm going to give some quick basics, but I'm going to let Mark do a lot of the talking because this is his album. He knows what's up way more than I do with this one. Released October of 96. It was the sophomore album of Counting Crows. It was produced by... Do you know who this was produced by, Sven? Um, Gil Norton? Yeah, who, I mean, 
who doesn't fucking love some Gil Norton? And mixed by Michael Barbiero, mm-hmm. who I've got some words about later. <laughs> I've always loved Gil Norton. I mean, you know me, I'm a fucking pain in the ass. So there's a few things about his his <laughs> producing that grinds my gears a little bit, but he's I mean, Pixies, Foo Fighters, for all those that don't know this album, the the guy's done everything. Futures. He knows what he's fucking, yeah. Did incredibly well, double platinum, which is pretty typical for a, I mean, August and Everything After was a massive hit. So when that happens, you're basically guaranteed to have a massive selling sophomore album, whether it's good or bad. I'm not saying either way, whether it's good or bad, I'm just saying it was going to be a big hit. But it was a huge hit. Not only was it a huge hit, but the sales gradually raised over time because just as we're going to find with Mark, who I don't know his history, but we're going to find out today. He's obviously been very close with music, a studying musician for a long time. And if somebody like that, it's his favorite album of all time, then there's something going on with this. I'm going to do something a little bit fun here. Uh-oh. Do every time you say that, man. Every <laughs> It's not fun. <sighs> it means that I'm going to like Mark and I are not going to have any time to think. That's fine. Mark, I want you to guess very generically. Like, don't like, can be three words, four words, whatever you want. What you think Sven and I's thoughts were on this album. You've listened to this pod, oh. you know our musical tastes. What do you think we thought of this album? I think Sven thinks it's good. Maybe not great, but it's good. And I think David thinks it's fine. Not bad, not good, fine. (laughs) I'm going to hand the mic over to Mark to start on this. And we'll chime in. But you gave your very generic thoughts. But I want your initial thoughts on why this is your favorite album of all time and be as specific or unspecific as you want. You have the floor. Sure. I mean, this is my favorite album of all time because it sounds like people playing in a room, even though it was all recorded at different times in a huge house because that's how Counting Crows record things. Tough life. Tough life. Yeah, they go to it. They rent a big mansion, tough life. They are and they all live in the mansion while they record the album. But it still sounds like people living in a room. It was recorded to tape, which is wonderful. You know, I'm a big fan of that. There's no quantizing in it. There's nothing you're doing with like today's music in it. Mm-hmm. The lyrics, you know, it's very metaphorical, which I'm a fan of. You know, I still like a simple song that tells a story, but sometimes you want to put yourself into the stories. And with Counting Crows songs, you can put yourself into all of them because they're broad enough where you can do that. They're not specific enough. I like that. Yeah. I think that explanation might have just bumped me up a little bit on that, on where your hands were. (laughs) Right. right. The Sven hand could, that was very well said. It's definitely extreme Americana where I think of eight dudes in a house Mm-hmm. for a month or two. That's definitely exactly what I think of. Right. It has that live feel too. Exactly. Like I think like that, that's what you were saying. Like they were all just in a room recording. Yeah. And I think that even one of the songs like on the tag at the end, like you hear like one last time, you know, in the background, mm-hmm. little things like that. They're not really part of the music. Their ability to react to each other and what they're playing in the moment versus, you know, an album that's completely tracked out in the studio where the the musicians hardly ever even make contact or see each other. Yeah. Absolutely love that about this. Even on the song, I'm Not Sleeping, Adam Duritz woke up the engineer at 3 a.m. and said, let's record it now. 
they recorded it in like three takes in that morning. Oh, really? <laughs> it wasn't sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Korg in that. Not a Korg. It's a Wurlitzer in that. Yeah. I love that. And the d- drums in that song too, which I'm probably going to touch on a few times with the drummer. What's his name? Ben Mice. Uh, Mice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is new for this album because the first album, they hated making the first album because of the drummer. The drummer is a pain in the ass, I guess. Oh. Uh, so they switch out the drummer for this one and they really liked making this album. The other part of the I'm Not Sleeping song, and this is where I realized that the main thing that keeps me from completely loving this album, which is very broad, honestly, it's the vocals. There's something about his voice that just drives me fucking insane. The first time that I really figured that out is at the very end of this, when he's doing the whole rain, rain, go away thing. Everything else in this song, and that's what was frustrating, is this song's fucking amazing. It really is. Strings are soloing with a guitar. Yeah. Back and forth, they're stringing his guitar solos going back and oh, forth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Tra- yeah, trading. Yeah, trading solos. Yes. No, ama- seriously, amazing, amazing band work. Like, this band is f- so tight. I love the way he says he sings California, though. That word, the way he sings name of the state, it's like, I love it because it's lazy and it's kind of the way he pronounces and enunciates a lot of the words in his lyrics. There's just enough of like this laziness that makes me feel like I'm watching them in a bar. And actually that's, oh okay. they, they feel like to me, that's Counting Crows is the kind of band that I think I would go nuts if I could just sit in a bar and drink a beer and listen to oh, yeah. them. Like that's the kind of music I want to listen to when I'm ignoring people in a bar. Have you seen them live, Mark? I've seen them live twice. And what kind of bumps me out, I've seen them live twice. Both times they were good. I was a big bootleg collector for years okay. when I was younger. Back when you actually traded bootlegs in the mail. And I have probably 40 Counting Crows bootlegs. 30 of those are better than the shows I saw. Really? I have some amazing shows on bootlegs. I read a lot yeah. of stuff about them live because it was this deep rabbit hole. I would read one review or article or blog talking about how amazing the live stuff, like I was saying with the guys that I was friends with from back in high school, they were huge on their live stuff. But then I'd read the very next thing I'd read was about how shitty they were live. And then the next thing I'd read would be about how amazing they are. And it was funny because you can find so much online about how much they suck and how much they are amazing live. The common denominator that I was seeing was that Adam, he basically never does the same thing the same. Every single time he performs, he doesn't sing the same notes. So if you go to a concert, if you're the type of person that's like, oh man, I want to hear round here or whatever, and you go to hear that, you're not going to hear the round here that you know of. You'll hear the round here, but he sings something different in the middle every night that ah. like sometimes takes up five minutes. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes he just, you know, gotcha. he stumbles gotcha. on himself. But that's Part of what makes them great live is, you know, you don't know what you're going to see. You know, it's it's jam band with lyrics. Well put. I absolutely love that. You were talking about how it really just sounded like a bunch of dudes in a room. And there's, I don't remember which song it is. At the end of the song, you can hear him jumping up and down. He's so into the singing. Hear the vocals. That's not, now I'm not sleeping. And actually the engineer, and that's when he said, you could see him bouncing up and down. He actually saw him bouncing when he was singing it. The engineers on this album are amazing. Yes. Seriously, how many producers do that? That would drive them nuts. What are you doing? Keep your mouth by the goddamn mic. Right. That's half of my day job is like, hey, you're, you're not in front of your mic anymore. <laughs> Go back. We got to do that over. No one can hear you if you're in the side. Of your- Never mind. <laughs> 
You brought up the lyrics, how much you like the lyrics in this album. And I agree. It's very, uh, it's that mid nineties kind of vague melancholy. I had a very big pull and shove with if I liked the lyrics or not, because I'll tell you one thing that drives me fucking nuts is famous people commenting on their own fame. I don't care what you have going on. You're famous. You're rich. Shut up. But I also read a bunch of stuff about him living in San Francisco at the time, which was the, you know, hippie central where people would be literally walking up to him in the street telling him that his album sucked and that he was a sellout. Oh yeah. So yeah, ironically, I could see writing songs about that. That would hurt. Exactly. Bad. Yeah, and the, the way I look at the albums this August and everything after was we want to be rock stars and this album is Oh no, we've become rock stars. What do we do now? Well put, Mark. Exactly. At first that drove me nuts. Cause like dude, your last album, you're fa- you want to get famous. That's what you want. Now you're bitching about being famous. But then when I read those stories, like, okay, I see. Bottom line is, didn't he date Jennifer Aniston? What? Yeah. Actually, Courtney Cox, he dated a little bit longer. I guess that was more serious. So he doesn't get to bitch about anything ever. <laughs> Nothing. No. <laughs> dude, that dude could go to hell. Okay. <laughs> There's other famous people he's dated too. It's not December. I'm not saying I want to get it over with, but let's touch on Long December. Yeah. Top to bottom. And if there's going to be any spoilers, go ahead and don't answer sure. it. But where does that sit on your favorites list of the uh, tracks on this album? It's not top three. It's in the middle. I think it's a good song. It's never been my favorite song on the album. But, you know, every time it comes along, I'm singing na 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 Right. Yeah. That's the song we all know from this album. And that's the, that's the only song I knew from this album. And I'm guessing probably you too. Did you like this song? Yeah, there's something I think, I'm not sure why, uh, uh, other than maybe it's just like I heard it a whole bunch of times. This applies to the whole album. I'm really impressed with the mix. And I'm really impressed with the balance between guitar and organ. And this took some work because back then, I don't know how much automation existed in the studio. So this is like the mix engineer riding those faders and making sure that, you know, just pushing something up and then backing it back off just just enough that you hear the important little whatever and then pulling that moment back and then moving you on to the next. Your ear is being guided so expertly. Catapult. First song. Is that a fucking Mellotron? Yeah. At the beginning of that? Yeah. My God. Mm-hmm. Who even owns a Mellotron? How did they get that? It's a real that? Mellotron too. They bought one. That's nuts. I thought they rented it, but it's a real Mellotron. I want to be famous. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's a very period, it's a very mid 90s song. The guitars have this really crazy, almost like, it's funny because it's an Americana album, but they have this real British thing going on. That Mellotron is crazy. I hadn't heard one of those. I can't remember the last album I heard one of those on. I was so geeked out when I fucking heard that. Anyway, when this album first starts, Sven, what are your thoughts? Kind of along with everything else, like everything I was saying. Like, I think this thing that strikes me the most about, you know me, I'm not huge into the story and the uh, from the lyric standpoint. Yeah. I get really into what are the instrumentals saying? I don't, that's just where my heart is, right? From Catapult, all the way through the end. I think there's so much thought put into instrumentation, so much thought into the dynamics. It's not just like all one level. This album has a lovely range, highs and lows. And I, I don't know, this is definitely one of the ones that I prefer start to finish. I know a lot of times I like to sh- hit the shuffle button. Hmm. That's typically how I, I like to listen to music. I don't always go in order. This is one that I would recommend go straight through, start at one and go all the way. Thank you. What's the guitarist name? Mark, which one? 
The lead guitarist? Uh, There's a the bunch of folks that play yeah, lead guitar. The one you everybody knows is going to be Dan Vickery. He's the lead guitarist that came out for this album. I mean, the other one's David Bryson, who's been basically with Adam Duritz since the beginning. But he just stands the back and plays rhythm the whole time. So I read a thing. I think it might have been Dan. It might have been the lesser known one. He was super into the Benz by Radiohead at the time. Which, if you go back and you listen to this song, that guitar is... Really fucking Benzy. Mm. Like, yeah, but I mean, we were all into the Benz. So, I mean, that's not unique. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely sounds, it sounds Benzy. Yeah. Cool shit. I liked it. Also, um, I want to touch, I want to thank Sven. I thought it's the last person alive who cared about album sequencing, but I'm very happy you brought that up because this is a wonderfully sequenced <laughs> album. Hey. hey. And David. Yeah, David, hey. too. He's the one that doesn't give a shit when the songs I, I come out. I don't, but on some of them, you can tell it's it's... When I'm listening to a, a like a modern pop album, like let's be honest, yeah, doesn't matter. It, it's not gonna matter if it came out last year or this year or even the five years before that. Very few bands, artists care. So then I don't care. I'm just gonna I'll start with your radio hit and then I'm gonna hit shuffle and then I'm just gonna you know go through the album like that. Yeah, Mark. If somebody said that this was the new adult contemporary soft rock, would you be insulted? Or would you say, eh. I, I would be insulted. Uh, I don't know if you listen. <laughs> There's a couple songs you can listen to that say soft rock, but this isn't soft rock. What's the old adult contemporary soft rock then? Like, I, I kind of want to know, like, what are, what are what's the comparison? John Mayer? John Mayer is a good oh, yeah, one. Yeah, totally. That, that is. This would not match. You know, like Goo Goo Dolls. That's actually a good one. Let's say this. So you mentioned the Goo Goo Dolls. Vertical Horizon. Okay, so... Mark, if I tell you that this is just another Goo Goo Dolls, Wallflowers, where do you tell me, like, no, you're an idiot, this is where you're wrong? I mean, if you say the Wallflowers, you're right on track, since, I mean, <laughs> Adam Duritz is on oh, the Wallflowers you've got the album. Horse, the, you've got the, I didn't even see the album. <laughs> he he right sings there. on the album. He's, <laughs> like, he's on Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue Heartache. Like, okay, then what if I pull out Matchbox 20? They just toured together and they're great friends. I can't. I mean, <laughs> I love it. Mark, you are my new hero. <laughs> okay, so then if I tell you, Mark, this is just average 90s radio music, where do you say, DL, you're an idiot, this is why you're wrong? DL, this, this, you're an idiot, this is why you're wrong. I mean, if you listen to compositions in these songs, there's a lot of thought that went into them. There's a lot of things going on in this album that's, I mean, it's not just three chord guitars and a simple melody going over, Very true. over and over again. Uh, one of my favorite things in music is organized chaos. There's a couple places on this album that's just organized chaos where it sounds like everybody's soloing, but it all kind of fits together. You know, you don't get that if even Matchbox 20 or anything else you're talking about. Very, very true. And actually so much to the point that I almost feel like they did it a little too much in this album, but you're absolutely right. I don't think this compares. I think it's such a more well put together album than the ones that I spoke of, whereas the sound might be similar in not culture, but era, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's a much more complex album. Uh, Sven, you don't have to start naming off your favorites or whatever, but give me a song that really stuck out to you. The title track did, and uh, I guess the one that I was listening to right before we started, um, Horse Dreamers Blues, another Horse Dreamers Blues. Something about both of those. I think it, Horse Dreamers Blues, that's kind of waltzy. Yeah. And I'm always a sucker for anything that's mm -hmm. not 4-4. Four -four. Something about like the warmth in both of those, the feeling that I get. God, I'm so jealous of 
guitar tone all over the album but like it's got just enough like saturation i don't know is wet a good word it feels wet but it's so (laughs) crisp at the same time it's it's a lot of crank damps yeah it leaves like this awesome space for when they like bring the organ up underneath the guitars and it kind of swells up speaking of that because i agree and there were certain spaces on this album that i really really noticed it on Good night, Elizabeth. I love the telly, twangy guitar work that's going on there. Mark. Good poll. You will know this, I think, because you're a guitarist, right? I'm gathering. I'm a bassist of 25 years in bands and sessions. But yeah, I play I mean, oh, okay. I play guitar and keys and everything too on the R albums. But yeah. I know it's a lot of crank dance. It's not really pedals. Yeah. Now, I love yeah. pedals. I have a fancy, expensive pedal collection. But, you know, if you crank up an amp, you get a lot more of that warmer, saturated tone that both you and Sven are talking oh, about. Oh, you could totally tell it was, I really it want was to know what, amp and mic. I want to know what mic oh, actually, that they used on the guitar amps. If you're ever curious, uh, Produce Like a Pro did a thing with the engineer. And he talks about every single amp that was used on the album or every single mic that was used on the album. Ooh, what's that? Produce Like a Pro pr- production well, website. I'll see you guys in a year. <laughs> exactly. Produce like a pro. Okay. Yeah, they do a whole walkthrough on this album with the engineer. Oh, well, you could have told me that before this podcast, awesome. Mark. <laughs> I want you coming fresh. Well, that's something for the revisit then. <laughs> yeah. Staying on Good Night, Elizabeth, that was one of the uh, songs that I really did like lyrically. The imagery that he pops up of a relationship being over and missing someone while trying to get on with your life. Even when I don't remember what the line is, but he's talking about like watching someone get ready, maybe kind of wishing that they were watching somebody else get ready. Mm -hmm. It's a type of thing that everybody at some point can relate to. The imagery of the lyrics in that was really fantastic. We're actually playing here Sunday. I'm not going. Where you are, they're playing there? Oh. Yeah, they're they're playing down the street from me in like two days. Didn't they just have to shut down one because somebody got COVID or something? Just shut down two. Yeah. The song, Have You Seen Me Lately? Where does this stand for you guys? There are certain rock songs that I picture when I'm watching a band live, the drummer is smiling and playing and it bugs me. <laughs> that's this one. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 yep. <laughs> I love that Mark knew immediately exactly what I was talking about. One of your favorite drummers does nothing but smile, chew bubblegum, and play drums. He does. The day that anybody says anything bad about Carter Beaufort, though, they're just (laughs) out of the... That dude can do anything he fucking wants. That dude... You can. Yeah. That dude could kick my kid while he's playing. And I... (laughs) Wow. I can't say... I'm cool with that. I mean, their current drummer, which was like last more sets old drummer after Taylor Hawkins left, he smiles. I was like gonna a say little... Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> no, it's not Taylor Hawkins. But man, he <laughs> smiles like a little kid every time he's playing. So not just this song. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the song where you know I'm sick of being famous song. But it's also one of the best songs live. I mean, this is one that turns down really well. But this is also the one they rock out most to live. I wish it was Angels of Silences, but they can't seem to pull that off. But this one is just you know a couple of chords and a guitar, and they just. You know, go nuts with it. Sven, was there a song from this that got stuck in your head or a song that you feel like you kept going back to or anything like that? No, 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 It's hard to not get that stuck in your head because it's, uh, at least for me, it's like the most familiar. So good point. For me, 
That one was Angels of the Silences. Yes. The mm-hmm. chorus, the... That whole breakdown is pretty fantastic. Right. And it- That song is so propulsive. It sounds like it's being up the whole time because it's just driving so hard. But it's not. Yes. Yes. The drums are just nonstop massive in that entire song. Very cool. It's funny because I listen to this album a lot coming into this. And at first it was very, to be totally honest with you, it was real blah. But every time I listened to it, I'd figure a little little something more out. There's some really cool stuff. It was a lot of basic rock, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's I heard a lot of 10,000 Maniac-ish sort of stuff oh, yeah. and a lot of really early Ben Folds and really late Tom Petty Ooh. kind of... You know, that's okay. Guitar tone that might add a little piece of the puzzle here on on what is so addictive about the guitar tone in this album. When you said Tom Petty, there's something about Tom Petty's guitar. It has that familiar comforting. Yeah. You know, Tom Petty songs have been like around your whole life. Yeah. And it, David every, probably hates Tom Petty. You know? I do not. <laughs> I like Tom Rolling Petty. Stones. I mean, I hate Tom I Petty and Bruce Springsteen, too. You know what? You called me on that. Though. I don't not oh, like Bruce oh, Springsteen. I just no. don't. Born to Ride's the greatest album ever made. No, it's not. It's oh. just not. <laughs> not my favorite album, but... It was no. all good until Springsteen. I mean, I've been off the David train since Rolling Stones, so we'll see. Poor Mark, just wait until the 1978 <laughs> podcast episode comes out, because you are not going to like the Rolling Stones talk. I mean, there's bad Rolling Stones, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> This album, in regards to things like Rolling Stones or Bruce Springsteen, you can not like things, but still understand why people like things. Yeah. When we get done with this, I'm probably, other than the fact that I can't get fucking Angels of the Silences out of my head, I'm probably not going to pop this in again. But that doesn't mean that I don't get it. I get why this is liked. And I think that's one of the things about people that have been around music their whole lives. And I think all three of us are pretty at the very least decent musicians some of us probably better than others but when you've been studying music your whole life it's easy to respect what they like well music it's all subjective like Like, yeah there could be the most awesome band and you don't have to like it and still be like they're an awesome band yeah (laughs) they kill it i might have a podcast episode where i'm talking about best albums of all time and all three of the other fucking people don't want to talk about the fucking Beatles, and I just have to deal with that. <laughs> I, I still don't know what you're into as far as music goes, David. I mean, Sven, I can pretty much. It's usually the out. other way around. I love. But this. you're all over the map. I am kind of all over the map. It's weird. It doesn't. I don't even think I even get me. But hey, yeah. you love Beatles and Fiona Apple, so we're on the same page there. Hey, we do have a lot of similar loves, that's for sure. Um, Mercury. Mm-hmm. Mercury really stands out to me. Very, very different song. It has this real Roy Rogers, even a little bit of like Big Brother, Stevie Wonder sort of feel. The percussionist, I'm sorry, Mark, what's his name one more time? Ben, uh, ben Mice. Whatever the fuck he's doing here, he's just ripping shit. Do you, do you guys even, do you, I mean, Mark, I know you do, but Sven, can you even pinpoint that uh, i think it's the one that comes right after monkey they're both about the same woman oh they are yeah the person he was dating at the time <laughs> and the band hated her i'm married to my singer's ex-girlfriend so hey oh hey oh well done bass player wins one we lose thank we lose you so many. <laughs> and i'm very happy you guys touch on the bass playing so often in these episodes makes me happy every time you do oh yeah we are actually both sven's a massive bass player i love the bass we're both 
big, huge bass heads. Sven, Mark, is there anything else that we left out before we need to get into? Have I said anything about the organ yet on this album? Fuck. Charles Gillingham. Gillingham, yeah, he's a fantastic organist, yeah. That <sighs> beginning of Children in Bloom, that kind of, that Boston pound chord into that awesome guitar. This might be one of the first bands that I ever heard an organ on. Really? Yeah, I do remember Counting Crows and thinking like, they get away with an organ. Because this was back when I thought, you know, bass, drums, guitar, that's it. As an old man, I, I love organs and horns and violins and everything. Back when you guys were listening to Grunge, I was listening to Pantera and Megadeth. <laughs> like, I don't know how this came on my radar. The only way it did is because Angels of oh. Silences. <laughs> no. Long dissevered it when it came on my radar, if that was the first one. Like I, I don't know if you've caught this mark because you're a big fan of them, but the rest of the song, Sans lyrics is very Our Lady Peace-ish. Mm -hmm. Not the best song on the album by any means. I'm not a fan of that song. I will say it sounds like the Our Lady Peace songs that I'm not a fan of. So I'll give you that. No, oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Kind of on the same page there. Yeah. Recovering the satellites. That's pretty much it as far as our basic thoughts. We will take a quick break. We're going to go over some awards and categories. Some of us got to get another drink. Sven, do you have another NA beer? I'll find something. I'll dig around this cooler. Okay. Mark's got half a jigger left. He's got half a pitcher left. <laughs> yeah. We will be right back. Broken hearted, looking up at the stars, shimmering so far away. I just can't stay here alone underneath their glow. I've got my helmet on. Hey. You're Cheers. back. I am drinking a beef breaker. Oh, that's a good one. Nine percent alcohol for those of you at home. Yeah. There are guys at band are like, so when do we make money? I'm like, we don't. No, we no. don't make money. No. We just put it out there and people tell us yeah. it sucks after we pour our heart into it. It's great. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. A uh, song you just heard. And I'm going to have Mark talk about it because I dig it. It's Spaceman. Spaceman. Yeah. Mark, the great rock album for Americans by Americans. What, what's Spaceman to you? Spaceman is not a song I wrote. Ooh. I wrote the chorus of Spaceman. Uh, basically, I wanted to write a... Uh, Wait, you wrote the chorus. That's, that's the important like, part. I did. I wrote the chorus. But <laughs> I, I wanted to write a uh, modern... Oh, my gosh. I just blanked one of the biggest bands of all time. Blink-182. Oh, the Wall. Abba. Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd. What? <laughs> yep. Okay. I, I wanted to write a, a modern Pink Floyd song. Wow, that's... I wanted to do a Jimi Hendrix solo. I did. <laughs> I tried to do that as well. I want to say, yes. <laughs> Actually, um, is it Fire? Fire, yeah. Who's playing that guitar solo? Yeah. Oh, I am. You're shredding, man. Well done. Thanks. I mean, I yeah. borrowed my buddy's like $4,000 custom guitar for it. And I sat down, it was like one take, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to I mean, really good song. Really excited for everybody to check out the album tonight. I don't know if it's coming out before or after this, but we will promo it on our Instagram. Make sure to go to at... PureNonsenseBand.com. There you go. Oh, yeah. He's even got a mailing, uh, mailing list now, right? Yeah. There you go. We're coming to 20th century. We're getting there. Check it out. Let's go into some awards and categories, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. Before that, 
I got some quick fire questions for you guys. Oh, son of a. Wait, what did you just hold up, Mark? Notes. <laughs> Notes. <laughs> Look at me being prepared. No, good. I'm going to grill. Grill you. <laughs> grill me. Sven, you're going to have to answer these too. So oh, get ready. Awesome. What's your favorite instrument, Mark? Oh, the guitar. There's nothing like plugging a guitar and just turning it up as loud as it goes and pissing your neighbors Very off. much. Well, I don't know, man. You get behind a drum set, you pick up them sticks. Who? Okay. that's fun. Sven, what's fun. your answer? What's your favorite instrument? It depends on the day. No, you don't get to... God damn it. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> nothing. That, that is the Svendiest answer Isn't it? that's ever Svended. Um, really he's going to say a French horn. I say like right, right now bass just because I've been playing I've been playing a lot of bass, but up until about 3 weeks ago it was drums. Here's a fun one. Mark, what's your favorite pedal? Guitar pedal? Yeah, or bass, whatever. I got a Hudson Broadcast pedal I've wanted for years and I finally got it about a year ago. Yeah. Very nice. Sven, do you have a favorite um, pedal? Um, I do. Um, and it's one that I don't own yet, but it is hopefully going to arrive very soon, and I can't find... Please say the automatone. Please say the automatone. I need to find... I have a picture of it. While he's looking, yeah. I've got two. One of them is an English muff. Love the English muff. Yeah. Number two, Sven, do you know, I used to use it all the time when we were in a band. Wait, where are you pointing at? Do you have an English muff? No, I'm pointing at Melancholy Infinite Sadness. Oh, man. I like this guy. Yeah, good call. Sven, it's a pedal I used all the time. I don't remember this. When we were in a band together. The Vox Wah pedal. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's your favorite? I fucking love that pedal. Jimi Hendrix fan over there. You know what else was good? Is the, the you remember that old school Ibanez grunge pedal? Yeah. The purple grunge pedal? That was a good pedal. Man, that pedal was underrated. It did a thing well. It did a, a thing. A thing. This is bad content. Sven, did you find your pedal yet? D I did. <laughs> Deluxe compressor. That's your... You can't pick a compressor. <laughs> no. Silver pedal. That's lame and boring. I'm sorry. CMAT mods. <laughs> Deluxe the compressor, compressor is nobody's favorite pedal. No. It is totally my favorite pedal because... It's like saying a tuner is your favorite pedal. No. It is like the essential, like, if you don't have a good compressor then it's going to be so hard to dial in the rest, at least for me, like it's so hard to dial in the rest of my tone until I can. That is the producer in you though. I, I don't, yeah. Mark, what is the first song that you ever learned how to play on an instrument? I don't think I've ever learned to play a song front to back. That's why I write my own songs because I suck at playing other people's songs. For real? Yeah. I mean, I can play like Aerosmith's catalog. I can play like every riff of Aerosmith, but you know, I get like omitted in and I can't play any more of it. Sven? Um, it was, I was going to say smoke on the water, but that was just the chorus or that was just like the, da, 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 the first full song that I learned one. all the way through was, um, Oasis Wonderwall. Oh, wow. That's four chords. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I think one of the reasons that I ended up being a decent guitarist is because when I picked up a guitar, my dad bought me a fucking Soundgarden songbook. I was like, here, this will help you learn, which I mean, if you know Soundgarden guitar, I mean, it's it's not insane, but that's not easy shit. That's not chords. No, no. And for that to be your first here, this is how you know how to play guitar. What is the best live show you ever saw, Mark? I'm going to say I saw Hold Steady and Gaslight Anthem play together in a small club. All right. I like it. But the best live band I've ever seen is probably Metric or not Metric, a uh, Foxing. Oh, but did you see Metric? Yeah. Metric is terrible live. Oh, were they? I saw July Talk open for Metric, 
And like the people who are there for metric, they could see the July talk blew them off the stage. Oh, that sucks. I love metric. When you're metric, you don't have one of the best live bands in the world open for you. That's a bad <laughs> thing to do. Sven, what's the best live show you ever saw? Is it the same as mine? Was it the State Penitentiary? No. What band did you watch at the State Pen that is your favorite? Mark. Yeah. The only concert that ever happened at the Idaho State Penitentiary, which was this historical landmark at the old penitentiary, was Rage Against the Machine. Oh, that would be great. Rage played at the fucking and State Pen. And people could Pen. climb the walls and jump off. The yeah, road. it was the only concert that ever happened because people started climbing on shit and destroying things. And Since you're doing the episode, I do want to say I saw Muse in a small club on the Absolution Tour. That'd be a good band to see small club. They were still doing small clubs in Absolution? I mean, it was just as it came out. That's your warm-up to get before you hit the stadiums. Oh, my like, God. Work all the bugs out of the tour rig. I can't picture them playing something that small. That's awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, Sven, what's the best show you ever saw, man? It, mine's tied. It's going to be between Dave Matthews at the Gorge. Who'd you see that with? You. <laughs> and then we almost died on the way home. That was a good show. And yes, we did almost die. George Clinton. That is that is a sight to behold, especially old now that he's kind of old. Where'd you see him? Uh, Tree Fort Music Fest right here in Boise. Mm. And it was one of those like nice. I got to get like on the side of the stage. You can't stop watching because like half of it's just amazing groove. But then the other part of it is that it's part train wreck. Like, yes, th there's so much chaos and it's like people yeah. aren't sure if they're supposed to be on the stage or not or what they're <laughs> supposed to be playing or. You can't say Dave Matthews is such a machine. It's great. I love Dave Matthews, but there's no danger in Dave Matthews. You know what you're getting. This could be a great show. Yeah, it's true. True. And then seeing him in the gorge, that's like one of my favorite venues. Mark, nice. favorite vocalist. Ooh, ooh, that's hard. Don't say Adam Duritz. No, God, no, Adam <laughs> You know, I'm going to go Noah Gunderson. A little small. Mm. You guys know who real he is. Sneaky. You're from out there. Yeah, that's a real sneaky pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of Teddy Swims? No, I haven't. He's probably my, my favorite to listen to right now. Really soulful voice. Hardly known. Sven... He has a face tattoo. Teddy swims, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And he does he look like the kind of guy that's going to pull off some soul? Because when he opens up that mouth of his, nothing but like pure soul comes pouring out of it. It's beautiful. What's your favorite vocalist? Lane Staley. That's a good answer. I'm a huge Lane Staley fan, so I'm not going to argue that. Mark, who's your favorite current artist? You use a band or artist, either one you want to do. Current artist is Gang of Use. They've released the first single off their new album, which I think is fantastic. There are two other songs they released in a little EP I'm not a big fan of, so I'm a little worried. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're my favorite current band. Do you have a current favorite artist, Sven? I don't have favorites. <laughs> That's why I suck at this game. That's why I suck at this game. Because then you have to make me pick. You're not a very good podcaster. You have to have all the opinions. Dua Lipa, because you always bring up Dua Lipa. That's true. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into some awards and categories. That was my little quick fire. I I had to ask you guys some questions. Typically, it'd be the David Crosby Meh album review from Amazon, but there wasn't anything funny on here. A lot of just mean shit. Influences and influencees. I'll start. I hear a lot of the whole college radio REM. Bob Dylan-ish. Mark, I'm going to ask you, because I don't know when Wallflowers came out. Yeah. Jacob Dylan 
Would they be an influencee, influencer, or were they parallel? They were parallel. They're friends. Like they were coming up the same time. Dave Matthews, that kind of stuff. What about you, Sven? Earlier when you said Tom Petty, that totally stuck with me. Yeah, I think that's got to be an influence. Mark, what about you? Influences, influencees? Well, I know uh, both Joni Mitchell and the band are huge influences on them. You know, he even wrote a song about Robbie Robertson at one point. The band makes so much sense. Yeah. And influencees, I mean, I can name a whole bunch of artists that are influenced by them. He's on the new Gang of Use album, I guess, coming out because they're great friends, I guess, as well. From what I understand, listening to other podcasts, evidently this album's really big on emo. Wait, wait, wait. You're fired. I'm fired. <laughs> we are done. I know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, listen to reviewers and like emo bands. I mean, they all, a lot of them will cite Recovering the Satellites is a big influence on them. Really? Yeah. All right. I mean, if you turn up the guitars and have Iron Durst whine a bit more, they're all emo songs. For better or for worse. No, that's very true. He does bitch a lot in this. <laughs> he does bitch a lot. Uh, fine wine or skunk beer? Mark, I'll go to you first. I mean, probably a dumb question, but you might have an intriguing answer. What do you think? No, I don't. It's fine wine. Okay. <laughs> it's still influencing people today. I mean, come on. What do you think, Sven? I think, I don't think it's completely skunk beer, but I think that it's one of those ones that people forget about pretty easily. Um, oh. And that doesn't mean it's a bad album. Until this, I, I hadn't thought about this album in like a decade unfortunately that's exactly my that's exactly my point and why i say it's a skunk beer because if it wasn't for mark canning crows are not a significant part of musical history for me you also didn't know driver's license was a popular song (laughs) good point that's a good point (laughs) never mind the bullocks award spend do you know other counting crows not full albums no so i as as a composed album I don't know that I can weigh in. So I don't remember when it came out. It must have been somewhere around 2000. I did either get or listen to This Desert Life when it came out. And I really dug that. So this is definitely not a Nevermind the Bullocks because I actually remember This Desert Life way more than I remember this one. What about you? Do you think this is by far their best album? Not by far. I think it's their best album, but everybody else is going to say August and everything after. Oh, really? That's, that's the huge one. But yeah, this is, I think this is the best, but by a hair. Gotcha. John Paul Jones Award. Sven. I've always wondered what some of these songs would sound like with Joe Cocker singing. There, fine. That stand up. <laughs> oh <Woo>! shit! <laughs> Took way too long, I guys. Come on. Oh my god! Oh wow! So for those of you that you just made my week, <laughs> nobody can see this. It's not being recorded. Um, no, it's not. No, Mark has a Team Spend shirt on. That's fucking brilliant. My god, this this is just amazing. <laughs> You are truly my hero. (laughs) You get a slow clap, and I'm cheersing you with a 9% alcohol drink here, sir. Yes. (laughs) But now I I hope you have a... Well, no, you don't need to have a team, David. I know that's never going to happen, but... It's never going to happen, but it's getting closer. Very similar vein. You know who I want to hear on this? I want to hear some fucking Van Morrison on this. So being a fan of theirs for a long time and reading a lot of interviews... I think that Am Durr would like to hear Van Morrison on this album. <laughs> I like it. Uh, what about you, Mark? Anybody else you'd want to add on to this? Anybody that you'd want to take away? Anything like that? I'm guessing no, but... I'm also not the biggest fan of Adam's voice. I like it a lot more than you do, David. Oh. But 
Yeah, I mean, if it, for me, it'd be a vocalist, and Van Morrison's a great poll. Notice he said Van Morrison, Team David. Team David. <laughs> I got to send him a shirt. John Popper Award, Sven, what's the best hook of this album? Na, 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 na. I still went with Angels of the Silences. That's what I went with. It's there. Long December. I don't give a shit about that. Hey, guys, let's do the Eddie Van Halen Award. Hey. I bet Sven doesn't have one. Yeah, I bet I don't. Mark, you know me so well. Do you think you can guess what my Eddie Van Halen Award is? Best riff? I'm going to say Angel of Silence is the drums. Oh, Jesus. No, God damn it. I already said Angel it. Angel of Cat- <laughs> oh, I thought you did. The Wurlitzer. The Wurlitzer. <laughs> there we are. But that's fine. Uh, Mark, do you have one? Uh, yeah, it's going to be the end of I'm Not Sleeping with the strings trading solos with the guitars. It's good stuff. It is. Surfer Rosa Award. This gets interesting to me because I think yes on this. The first half of this album is very... Rock Central. The second half of this album is way better and a lot more unique. Rarity for me, but I think this is a Surfer Rose Award for me. Sven, what about you? What yeah, do you I'm, think? I'm going to agree just because I think my top three songs are on the second half of the album. What about you, Mark? No, I, I mean, I found love with the first half of this album. Came from a place of being a metalhead at that point. So yeah, it's definitely not a Surfer Rose Award for me. Time of Your Life Award. And I'm going to start with Mark because I have a feeling this is going to be it might be hard for him. Actually, you know what? Time of Your Life Award. I want to guess what I think the worst song is for Mark on this album. Because I feel like I've gotten at least a hint of his taste. Actually, this episode has made me change. This is, I had notes here, but now I <laughs> feel like I'm fucking wrong. I'm just, I don't care. I'm going to go with it. I think Mark's least favorite song on this is Children in Bloom. Oh, it's Children in Bloom. I can't stand what Am's doing that whole song. Woo! Woo! That's a walk off. (laughs) (laughs) One for David. Sven, what about you? What's your time of your life? Have you seen me lately? So what I have written here is, Uh have you seen me lately slash children in bloom? So that's kismet, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to the fun stuff. Sven, what are your three favorite songs on this album? Uh, Long December's in at number three for me. So my third. Okay. And then Recovering the Satellites, self-titled. And then... My favorite is Another Horse Dreamer's Blues. Good song. It is. So I'm going to go next. Number three for me is Angels of the Silences. I just, I really love that chorus build. Really good stuff. Good Night, Elizabeth is my number two. Once again, really well-written song. And then number one for me, I just love that Roy Rogers stuff there is Mercury. Whoa. I, I love that. In an album of good, that's great. Mark. What are your three favorite songs on this album? Number three is a title track, Recovering the Satellites. As a songwriter, I've used the idea of satellites as people, like in two songs I've written. So I got to pull that one. Number two is I'm Not Sleeping. I love the strings in that song and I love the epicness of it. And number one is one of my favorite songs of all time, which is Angels of the Silences. It just goes. Yes. If you drive to that song, you're driving a lot faster by the time it's over. <laughs> Who won the album, Sven? Well, I want to say Van Morrison because <laughs> y'all want to replace Adam on that freaking album with him. My mixer man, Michael Barbiero. I know he did a bunch of instrumental mixes and things. Like he he worked on some blues traveler stuff. He's oh for I real. Don't know. That's what I love the most about this album is just how well everything sits in the mix. If I was in a band and I was putting out an album. 
I would want the mix to sound like this. Yes. It's perfect because there's enough loudness, but it's not over compressed. You're not killing the dynamics. Good job. Mark, who won the album? Every teenager in the 90s who wore black. <laughs> I wore black. You wore black. <laughs> this reason became a big emo touchstone. That's a good answer. My answer, uh, let's see, middle-aged white men across the world. Oh. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Who wear black? Who wears black? Because they were teenagers uh, Mark's that wore black. black. <laughs> ben Mize, actually. Yeah. Hmm. The percussion on this album is amazing. There isn't a song on here that I don't think it's just incredible. I rarely catch myself when I'm first finding an album concentrating on the percussion. This album was very much one of those. That's recovering the satellites, everybody. That is Sven, David, and Mark talking about the Counting Crows. Last thing that we need to do, we need to rate the album. Right. Mm -hmm. Mark, I'm going to go with you first because I don't think there's a whole lot of mystery here. Mark, what do you rate this album? If this isn't a 10 out of 10 for me, I mean, nothing else is going to be if it's my favorite album of all time. 10 out of 10. 20 out of 20. However you want to stack it. There we go. I, I, think, I feel like we need one yeah. of those buttons that makes the wah, 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 wah sound because like, I'll put some we, we actually have a 10 Yay. out of 10. Woo. We don't get a, load of, a lot of those on this. Big shocker. Didn't see that one well, coming. It's, it's, it's kind of cheating <laughs> asking my favorite album. But yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because the last listener supported and she gave it like a three out of four. <laughs> like, <laughs> <right>, whatever. <laughs> Love you, Rachel. Spend. Rate this album. This one's uh, like 293 out of 345 Cheerios. That's still good. Cheerios. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty right. high up there, I think. Like it's, um, That's pretty high. It's appreciated. Cheerios are healthy. They are. They're good for your heart. I like Cheerios. Uh, I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. Wannabe Bob Dylan's. Oh. I'm not a huge fan, but I definitely get it. <laughs> yeah. I get where people obsess over this shit. I really do. You can know good shit and know it's not for you. Nice. That's Counting Crows for me. Join us next week. We have a brand new segment. DL and Rachel Polio are having their first official Here's Where You're Wrong episode. <laughs> We're going to talk the K-pop sensation Black Pink. And I'm telling you right now, that episode is getting fucking interesting. <laughs> I'm so sad that I'm not in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm not in the episode. Do either of you know Blackpink? I am a K-pop fan, and I've heard them. Yeah. But no. Not like enough to, I'd have to do homework. That's our episode. Mark, Mark, you are the man. I can't wait for your album to come out. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Me either. It's been really great talking to you. I hope that we get to have you on again. It's been really nice having you take part in everything. You've become a, a bit of lore within the uh, podcast people. So yeah, we, we definitely. really appreciate you coming on. I like lore. Nice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll catch you on the flip side.